0: MCTV.
1: A nonpartisan political organization encourages the informed and active participation of citizens in government and influences public policy through education and advocacy. The goal of the League of Women Voters of the United States is to empower citizens to shape better communities worldwide.
2: Welcome to tonight's Candidate Forum, brought to you by the League of Women Voters of the Midland area and Midland Community Television, or MCTV. This evening, you will be hearing from candidates in two races in the primary election to be held on August 2nd. The first race will cover the Republican candidates for the 35th District State Senate, Then we will move to the Democratic candidates for the 95th District House of Representatives on the primary ballot. I am Kim Steinke, President of the League of Women Voters of the Midland area. The League of Women Voters is a nonpartisan political organization that works at the national, state, and local levels. Membership in the League is open to all people age 16 and over, both men and women. We are committed to the informed and active participation of citizens in government, and we neither support nor oppose candidates. We always welcome new members. Information about joining the League is available on our website, www.lwv-midland.org, or you can ask any League member about it. Here's an overview of how tonight's program will run we will cover candidates for the different offices at two separate segments of the program at the beginning of each segment I will introduce the candidates running for that office and give each candidate two minutes for an opening statement after each has given an opening statement I'll pose questions to which each will be asked to respond each candidate will be allowed an initial response to each question of up to two minutes in length, as well as a reply after each has had an opportunity to give initial responses. Replies will be limited to the length of one minute per candidate. The candidates have participated in a drawing to determine who will be the first speaker in each segment. That order will be rotated in responding to questions throughout the segment. Following the question and answer period each candidate will have an opportunity to make a one-minute closing statement Judy McDowell and Sandra Houghton from our league are our official timers They will raise a warning card when the speaker has 30 seconds then 15 seconds left When time is up, I will stop the speaker allowing only the completion of a sentence Before we get started, I ask the audience to please refrain from any vocal reactions for or against any candidate or statements made by the candidates and to applaud only when the moderator has announced that the forum has ended. I also want to remind viewers and attendees to make sure that your electronic devices are silent. No photographs are to be taken to avoid interference with the lighting in the MCTV studio. Please note that the candidate forums will be rebroadcast multiple times on MCTV Charter Spectrum Channel 191, and they will also be available on the MCTV YouTube channel. Now let's get started with the Republican candidates for the 35th District State Senate. This district was created in the recent state redistricting process and comprises sections of Saginaw Midland and Bay County the candidates are Martin Blank Annette Glenn and Christian Velasquez, did I say that right? Velasquez, Velasquez. Mr. Kelly informed us a few days ago that he would not be participating in this forum the winner of this race in the August 2 primary will face Democrat Kristen McDonald Rivet who is unopposed in the primary. So now down to business. Let's start off with Martin. You're taking the lead. You got the A okay. and go ahead and you have the privilege of making your opening statement.
3: Thank you. I'm Martin Blank. I'm a soldier, not a politician. I am a United States Army War College graduate and a retired Army Reserve Colonel. I served in Afghanistan and Iraq. I'm also a medical doctor, a law school graduate, and a holder of six master's degrees. I currently am a trauma surgeon at Covenant Hospital in Saginaw and a Saginaw County Deputy Sheriff. I've met thousands of our neighbors during this campaign I've spoken to them, I've listened to them, I've heard their stories. Some of them are heartbreaking. They are working hard, but they're barely hanging on. They are working two jobs, three jobs, just to try and make ends meet. They are often one or two paychecks away from disaster. They're fearful for their children's future. And Lansing politicians are doing nothing to help them. I've worked hard. To try and develop programs to try and help these people I want you to know that I'm listening to them and I hear them their story is my story I understand what they're going through I've had rough times I have had live paycheck to paycheck and I know how difficult that can be as your state senator I may not always get it right but I will always do what I think is for you best for your interest. Nobody owns me, no special interests, no PACs, no parties. I'm nobody's man but yours. For 23 years, I fought in our nation's military, and I will fight for you once again in the state Senate. I'm Martin Blank, Republican candidate for state Senate. I ask for your vote on August 2nd. Thank you.
1: Annette, you get the next two minutes. Thank you, Kim, and thank you to the League of Women Voters. It's good to be back. The last time I was here in studio was to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the League of Women Voters, so it's good to be back in person. It has been my honor and my privilege to represent 90,000 people from Midland and Bay County right now. It is um, a blessing. It's uh, just beyond gratitude to be able to work hand-in-hand as we've gone through these difficult times together. I'm the mother of five, grandmother of nine, small business owner. Back when Ronald Reagan was running for president was when I got involved in politics. And I spent 10 years maybe helping others get elected and helping those that I got elected serve and help others. And then felt like I had done my duty and could go on to private business, spend more time with my family. So I sat out of politics for 20 years and honestly had no thought that i would ever get back in but here i am i uh, felt that call that pull on my heart that it was time to get back in that it was time to do what i could to make a difference and i had no idea when i ran for office that we were going to deal with the pandemic or the catastrophic dam failure but it has been, as I've said, an honor and a privilege to be in deep, dirty basements helping you recover and to be your voice in Lansing while we were working to open up the government and reopen your businesses. I represent 90,000 and I'm looking forward to representing three times that amount. I promise to work as hard for the rest of the district as I have for this one. You have my commitment that I will always be there, that I will always work for you. I'm Annette Glenn, Republican candidate, and I would appreciate your vote on August 2nd. Thank you. Christian, you are next with an opening statement.
4: Thank you, Kim, and thank you to the League of Women Voters. I appreciate this. Uh, it's a pleasure also uh, to be in the Herbert H. and Grace A. Dow, uh, well, the Her- Grace A. Dow Library. Uh, I'm a family man. Uh, Janae and Isabel. Uh, are on the campaign trail with me. My wife, Janae, works for the Herbert H. and Grace A. Dow Foundation, so it's a it's a it's great to have that connection with, uh, with Grace A. Dow. Uh, my daughter, Isabella is back from college this year helping on the campaign trail, and it's great to have the family all in. Uh, you can call me Chris. I'm Chris Velasquez. My last name is uh, Hispanic. It's often hard to say. You can call me Chris V. if you like. Uh, we uh, first came to Midland in the fall of 91, Uh, Dow Corning recruited me here. Uh, I was, uh, I grew up on a farm, I put myself through school uh, to get an engineering degree. They brought me up here to build plants. Uh, I worked at HSC, so I've worked in all three counties, Hemlock Semiconductor, Midland Plant with Dow Corning. Uh, They sent me back to get my MBA at Michigan State. And I uh, moved into the business world and moved out to our Auburn headquarters and worked in uh, Bay County. So all three counties. Uh, We originally moved here and we love the experience in Midland. It's just a great place to live Uh, That first month we said hey, we'll give it three years and uh, almost 31 years later here. We are Uh, It's a great place to live. I'm uh, I'm running to make sure that we keep it a great place to live Uh, In addition to that work experience, uh, I've served in many nonprofits and uh, as well as in uh, government seats like uh, the STEM Council for the State recommending to the legislature and the governor. Uh, I'm running because I love this place, because uh, we have challenges, and uh, because I'm an ability to serve at this point. I'd like to bring that experience to this new 35th District, and I'm Christian Velasquez. Uh, I hope you'll vote for me on August 2nd
2: thank you for that introductory information now let's begin hearing your question your question answers to questions that members of the midland league believe will be of interest to voters i'll let you know when it's your turn to answer each question also i will repeat a question for anyone who asks annette you're first up and with your response and the question is In light of the recent Supreme Court decision, what changes to the gun laws in our state would you support or
1: oppose? Oh, that is a good question. I have to admit I am still digging into that one with the recent Supreme Court decision. But for those who have not followed it, the Supreme Court decision pretty much brought it in line with what we have in Michigan right now. Right now, Michigan is considered what is a shell-issue state for concealed carry. So if you've passed a background check, that means they've done a f- fingerprints on you and that you have done specified number of training that you will get a permit. I am supportive of that. I have looked around at what other states have done. And what I have found is that other states that have more strict gun control laws absolutely have more gun violence it sounds maybe counterintuitive but i like to follow the science i'm the only candidate that's endorsed by the national rifle association i am sure that i get out there and i am trained um, and other family members as well i grew up in a time period when it was very common for kids to just have their rifles in the back seat of their pickups, and after school they would go hunting. I know that times have changed. and I know sometimes that we have to change with them, but I am a firm supporter of the Second Amendment. As Charlton Heston has said, that Second Amendment is what gives us our first freedom and protects every other freedom that we have with it. I believe in those freedoms. I believe that it's important to protect law-abiding citizens and to give us the right, as crime continues to rise around the nation, that we can protect ourselves safely and that we can make those good decisions. And I would ask for your vote. You can look at my website, netglen.com for more in-depth information on all of the issues and where I stand. Thank you. Okay, Christian, you're next with your response. You have two minutes
4: thank you. I would uh, like to tell a story uh, that I learned yesterday. Uh, we went to the uh, Thomas Daly Foundation 5K run for Senator Kevin Daly, who currently serves part of this district, and he, uh, he lost his son in a tragic farm accident, but he, re- he does this fundraiser every year to raise funds for another uh, charity. The charity they were doing this year was the 42 Strong uh, Foundation. So uh, Buck Meyer, the father of Tate Meyer, number 42, was one of the students who uh, we lost in the tragedy at Oxford. And uh, Buck has started this foundation uh, because his passion is around helping kids, about helping uh, the issues that come from violence. So he is connecting kids through, uh, through mentoring, through trust, through love, through bringing them into the circle, Uh, helping with mental health, trying to get ahead of any issues with guns because that uh, seems to be the issue that we have with these tragedies is uh, is speaking to mental health issues and how people get to this position. Uh, Those are the kinds of things I think we need to do as a community to bring everybody in uh, so that we change the trajectory of these folks before we ever get to that situation. Uh, I am a second amendment supporter. I am uh, listed as an AQ on the NRA. Uh, That is the highest level you can get when you're not in office, and I'm not a politician. Uh, And I do believe uh, that responsible gun ownership is important and that the training that they bring helps those to be responsible owners.
2: Okay, Martin. Thank you.
3: I also support the Second Amendment strongly. I've been to 13,000 houses, knocking on doors, and I've spoken to thousands of voters. And this is one of the issues that is most high in, in their concerns. Voters are afraid that their gun rights will be limited. I don't agree that we should limit gun rights for gun owners, when the real problem is different. People try to blame the crime on the guns. The guns is not the problem. The rifles aren't the problem. We have to do more to help people understand how to prevent trauma from guns. That starts at home. We have to help parents identify issues that are a red flag that their children are headed in the wrong direction, prone to violence. We have to. The parents have to take a part in making sure that guns are not uh, purchased and used like they have been recently. What I'll just conclude with is that we have to be careful trying to limit constitutional rights for the wrong purposes. Let's not focus on the guns. Let's focus on the underlying problem. Thank you.
1: Okay, Annette, you have one minute for a reply, if you choose. Thank you. Well, I would agree that we should not limit law-abiding citizens' constitutional rights, and that's where the background check and all of that comes into effect, so that they can be checked out before they carry that. Now, with the Oxford situation and previously other ones, we have in Lansing formed the School Safety Task Force. That is a bipartisan group, and this is a case where it has an even number of Republicans and Democrats that are working together to dig deep into this issue of what can we do that does not affect the Second Amendment that we can do safely to protect our children even more. So I am looking forward to their report. I will be happily to share it far and wide and look forward to implementing the good decisions and the good deep policy that comes out of that. And we've continued to fund in Lansing additional funding for mental health, both outside of schools and in schools so that we can detect and help these individuals before they get themselves into this kind of trouble. Thank you. Okay. Christian?
2: Yes. Do you want to a one-minute reply? Um,
4: so, uh, yes, the, the idea here on private or government solutions to that uh, is a very key part of the solutions. Uh, the, the one I gave, the example I gave of 42 Strong is the idea of private people coming together uh, the the government can talk about it, but uh, we really need to be focusing on how we get uh, community together to drive these solutions uh, uh, through groups in our community, like 42 Strong, like our community foundations, like United Way. How do we bring these people together and facilitate community discussions that reach these answers?
2: Thank you. Martin. Thank
3: you. I would just reiterate that the problems can be corrected by knowing what, the, what to watch for and how to identify the problems so we can prevent shootings that have happened around the country. Taking gun rights away from citizens, from law-abiding citizens, is not the answer.
2: Christian, you have the first chance at the second question. What is your position on the Michigan Healthy Climate Plan presented by the governor in April calling for economy-wide carbon neutrality by 2050.
4: So I put myself through school working at a power plant. Uh, it was a gas-fired power plant, and we've learned that, uh, that natural gas actually burns cleaner than others, which reduces the carbon footprint. Uh, I came to work at Dow Corning uh, and Hemlock Semiconductor where we manufactured silicon for solar, the solar industry. Uh, I moved into Dow Corning where we provided solutions for both solar and wind with silicone solutions and we joined, as we joined Dow, we had other chemical solutions. Uh, I believe that we can improve our energy reliability, uh, sustainability, and competitiveness by allowing all of these technologies to come forward. And uh, in my experience in, in in all of these fields, it brings that to the table where we can negotiate sound science to move the country forward with that reliable and competitive energy. Uh, They all have a place, and as an engineer, you learn that they each have a unique place. So regulating them can drive the wrong solutions or the wrong consequences uh, unless you let them compete freely to bring the right energy to all the people in Michigan. Energy is a critical element to drive our economy. Uh, That's what allows each of us to enjoy the lives we have. It's what propels industry. It's what drives jobs. It's one of the core uh, platforms that I've been talking about as I've been out meeting with people. uh, And it it is what we need to focus on to drive growth for the region. It's, It's one of the most critical elements to drive growth. And if we can get back to growth, we can get back to Uh, driving better schools driving the taxes that will pay for this and that will uh, take us on the right path to that sustainability we desire
3: Okay,
2: Martin your response
3: thank you the energy is is critical that we have to protect it for the future but we also have to take into consideration the things that we're learning right now in this energy crisis as important as the environment is and I fully support proposals that will safeguard our environment. We also have to keep in mind that we have to function as a country. We have to protect our businesses. We have to protect our economy. We have to ensure that we have adequate energy to fuel this country. We've learned from the rising fuel prices and from the problems in uh, Ukraine, just how fragile our system is. In many ways, we're gonna suffer if we aren't proactive to ensure that we have a dependent fuel uh, source including pipelines. Uh, we have to make sure that we don't overdo it. with trying to restrict the energy sources. We have to make sure that we have a safe future. Thank you.
1: Okay. Uh, Annette? Thank you, Kim. So I grew up with a family bar- background in farming. My mom still leases out that family land. She's 89, so it's been a long time since she's actually done the farming. But that's been a piece of property that has been in our family since uh, the state of Idaho was created, or thereabouts. But one thing you learn from a family farming, that you have to protect your environment. You want to be able to pass that down to generations to come. You want them to love that land the way that you love it. So I grew up long before recycling and reusing things was popular. That's just how my family functioned. Everything was used, reused. Everything was just to the very best of ability used as much as it could what i have found knocking on doors is that reliability is a huge issue here in our area Um, i've been hearing about this for years and it has only gotten worse it is absolutely critical that we make sure that we have reliable energy here We need to make sure that our senior citizens can turn on that air conditioning and be protected when the temperatures are like they are today, up near 90 degrees. We need to make sure that our manufacturing plants don't lose entire day's worth of work because energy is not reliable. I spoke recently with a business owner who does 100% recycling in his business. They sell some plastics, but every plastic they sell, they rebuy back and recycle completely sustainable. However, he is no longer able to expand his business because we don't have the energy available for him to expand. So he's looking to go out of state. That is jobs that would go out of state. I want to keep him here. I want to keep all of our businesses here. And I know that ultimately science is the answer. As we continue to work together and dig into those deeper answers, science does find us the answers. Chris is right. Natural gas is clean. And we have got other options. Uh, Nuclear power is clean as well. So instead of shutting down plants that provide clean energy, I think we need to continue to really look at science and make sure that we take care of everybody that's here. Thank you.
2: Okay. Christian, do you want to use your one minute to reply?
4: I would like to. Uh, Coming back to that clean energy, Annette brought up the nuclear, and and that is a key key element that could be used. Uh, We have had statements from our suppliers today that we aren't going to do it, and we're going to shut some down that we have. There actually is new technology. Uh, As an engineer, these things really kind of geek me. So uh, there is new technology for uh, scalable nuclear energy that is safer, smaller, uh, and uh, could be more functional and drive us to the low carbon footprint that we really desire. It's something we should look at in the state and uh, I'm a big proponent of some of the large companies in our state are going to use it in other locations. Uh, the other thing I'd like to mention is line five. Uh, it is a critical element both for supplying the UP in the winter and supplying our neighbors and us in the in the summer months for transfer down here. It, it would provide a safe and clean way under the lakes. It would protect our lakes. It would provide good jobs, and it's mostly private. It's a private enterprise and something that we should approve and move forward.
2: Okay, Martin?
3: I would just say again that one of the most critical issues to voters as I go door-to-door is the price of gasoline. We definitely have to watch out for the environment. We also have to ensure that we have a reliable source of energy, and we need to ensure that our we do what we can to lower the cost of fuel.
1: Okay, Annette. Thank you, Kim. So I think on this issue, we're all in agreement. Uh, Line five is gonna be a huge blessing once we get that tunnel built. It's gonna provide about 300 jobs at the top of its, um, the peak of its um, work. And there's going to be, oh, I don't know. I think they said the average is sixty dollars to $200,000 is what they're going to be paying for those jobs that will be here in Michigan and around. So besides science and Line 5, Line 5, without Line 5, if we were to shut that down like we've shut down the Keystone Pipeline, I have no question that our energy prices would continue to rise. We need to be aware the reason they've dropped even a little bit now is because we're digging into strategic reserves. So strategic reserves are meant for our country when we're in emergency. To be able to take care of our military when they need to go take care of other things that we can't take care of on our own. So it's important that we have reliable, predictable, clean energy, that we take care of our environment. Thank you. Yeah. I think that was a stop sign. No, <laughs> no go I'll be good. Thank you.
2: All right, Martin, you're next on this question. What are your priorities regarding the two main areas around infrastructure? First, upkeep of old systems such as water, sewers, and roads. And the second area, expansion of new infrastructure such as broadband and cell phones.
3: Thank you. We have to be prepared for problems in the future. We have to have strong, dependable infrastructure, including broadband, including cable. We have to invest money in those. We have to reprioritize what we're doing with our state budget. Our state budget was $7.76 uh, billion. Tons of it was of waste. We spent money in things that were nice to have, but really could have been a bit better to infrastructure. We spent $40 million in the Detroit area on a bicycle and white walking path. We spent tens of million dollars on museum. It's not that those things aren't important. But we do have to reprioritize. We have to fix the roads that haven't been fixed. We have to make sure that we have solid, dependable infrastructure for the future. We have to really go to Lansing and make sure that we have the right priorities for the future. Thank you.
1: Okay. Annette? Thank you. Well, I can tell you, with the federal government sending money our way, We've got more money at the state level than we've ever had and unfortunately inflation leads to even additional money that comes in Because every time you buy something out there, you're paying additional taxes on it that brings it into Lansing So it's been a hard decision if we're going to use the money that belongs to our grandchildren It's critical that we spend it in ways that our grandchildren will be able to benefit from That means we need to have good roads we need to have safe bridges And maybe you saw the court case where now you're able to sue the Department of Transportation if you get hit by falling Concrete from these bridges that are not been taken care of it is Absolutely critical that we take care of things so that we have a safe state Our farmers need roads to be able to get to market and to be able to farm their fields and get around We need broadband. We saw that without any Preparation what happened with us not having great broadband around the state we had kids that were out in rural areas where the only way they got their schoolwork was it was delivered via school bus during covid and then when they would come back um, and they would pick it up that's when they would do the meal delivery and schoolwork at the same time. I can't thank our school administrators, volunteers, lunchroom people enough for all the extra effort they put into making sure the kids got their schoolwork, they got their food, and they got that schoolwork back in. But it's important that they don't have to do that every time. As remote work becomes more important, it's critical that we can work from anywhere. If we want to attract and keep people here, We need the roads for them to drive on. We need the infrastructure. And we have spent historic funds on water. And I can't help but say thanks to the state and all of my state partners for the $250 million that go to the Four Lakes Task Force to rebuild those dams and also to keep it from flooding downstream and the additional funds that will go to help people outside of the flooded area in Midland for their flood recovery as well. Thank you. Okay, Christian.
4: Thank you. So this is one I do get passionate about, and Martin shared some of these numbers. Uh that budget of 76 billion. 76 billion was an increase of over 14 billion dollars. When you think about uh the rate of inflation uh annually, usually that's gone up by about a billion a year. 14 plus billion. Uh a lot of these funds came in from the federal government. Uh inflation is and always is an issue of monetary policy and the creation of money that we've had this year is what is driving inflation and uh, knocking doors it is one of the most critical things i'm hearing from people on the street is the ability to pay for their gas and food Uh, especially people on fixed incomes from the older groups and the younger groups starting out it's really taking a bite out of them the budget that was passed i i believe it should have been uh... focused on infrastructure it should be fixing our roads it should be building new water It should be upgrading our water it should be doing sewer it should be doing uh... our airports our ports our our rivers our bridges Uh, all of those things are what we should focus the money on Uh, As Martin noted, there's a lot of expenses in there that are nice to do upgrading some parks and other things But it is going to spread money across many departments and pour money that will Add more pressure on inflation Uh, This is a place where we need to share from the state back to the locals uh, To get the roads done to get these uh, all this infrastructure done in the local areas with this money That is our kids money and our grandkids money that we're spending this this far ahead of time Uh, that is one of the things that really needs to be debated and it needs to be transparent and it needs to be shared back so that we spend that money to
3: upgrade our infrastructure
2: okay the one minute rounds martin you're first
3: thank you i would just say that the priorities in lansing are often backwards we need to focus on the issues that are going to lead to a sustainable safe future for us and for our children and our grandchildren It's key to have an infrastructure that will contribute to that. We can't spend the money needlessly. We have to really focus our budget on infrastructure. We have a budget surplus. We should return much of that to the taxpayers, but what we don't, we have to spend on infrastructure.
1: Okay, Thank you. Well, we do have record funding for roads and transportation and broadband and water. And I can tell you, having seen what happened in Flint and Benton Harbor, it's absolutely critical that we stay on top of that and make sure no other communities deal with those kind of water issues in their problem. It's also important that we look at this money and we spend it, as we've all talked about, on behalf of our grandchildren. Something to be aware of in the state budget is that two and a half billion dollars was for debt payoff. That's unusual, but something I'm very proud of is that $2.5 billion was debt payoff. And not only that, but there is $7 billion left. It's not for us to spend, it's for us to give back. We just need to get the governor on board with all the tax relief. We continue to send income tax and other options, gas tax relief back, we just need to get her on board. So I welcome you in helping me to encourage the governor to sign our tax relief bills and we'll keep sending them her way, thank you okay christian
4: so uh I would like to address the broadband issue. It is a critical element for everyone to have access for our students to learn, for farmers to do business. The, uh, the technology in the farming and rural communities is phenomenal these days, and it, and we need for them to have access. That's a space where we need public-private partnership. We don't need the government to do all that. We need private industry to be able to expand it and and run that uh, like they do in our lives, like uh, our cell phones and all of our access and the cities are right now uh, that partnership will be critical to negotiate and uh, and drive through the legislature going forward Uh, I also agree that uh, because we are driving inflation that there should be some tax relief that comes from from Lansing at this point that tax relief is going to be important for people who are getting that bite out of their pocketbook this year
2: okay Annette you're first to answer this next question What are the biggest challenges in our public schools? Part A, Part B, what are possible solutions?
1: Oh, I uh, actually am vice chair of the K-12 Appropriations Committee. So this is something I'm very, very passionate about. It's difficult for me to come up with one thing. So I'm gonna cheat a little bit and I'm gonna go with two literacy our literacy rates have continued to drop during the pandemic we were at about 50 percent statewide and they have dropped below that so i am passionate about finding policies and way to change that and i've been able to make some connections and fund some through the state be able to fund some programs that have absolutely turned some schools around in their literacy rates. I just had a conversation with another lady who is working heavily in Detroit and is having phenomenal, it's just success. So I'm looking forward to bringing her in and having her talk to not only our policy committees but our funding committees on how somebody who just wanted to start by giving coats to kids moved into the literacy range and what a big impact that has. And her her success is phenomenal. And I am just, as you can tell, very, very excited about it. Another thing I think our schools really need to delve into is mental health. We are very social people, most of us. I can tell you introverts during the pandemic seemed to thrive while those others, which are the vast majority are extroverts, suffered. Their mental health suffered, their stress levels went up. We saw record levels of suicide at all levels. So we have got record funding in the school aid budget that will continue to help our kids with mental health, actually putting in um, options where they can see mental health professionals in the school. They don't need to be picked up and miss, miss a school day that they will actually be able to get that treatment there. There's record funding for training more people to be in the schools that will be experts at mental health. I am passionate about both these issues. It is critical that we give our kids our greatest single natural resource that we have every possible advantage so they can thrive. They are our future and it's important that we invest in them. Thank you. Okay, Christian.
4: Thank you. So I have a unique situation where both my parents are public school teachers. Uh, I'm also the youngest of five children and uh, we all chose a different path. So two of us chose uh, public schools. Uh, one chose private school uh, and one homeschooled, so uh, it was uh, very unique. Thankfully, there's good kids that came out of every pathway and the parents all had a choice to choose what worked for them and their children. Uh, we have uh, um, a great opportunity to right now to learn. I mentioned that I serve on the Michigan STEM Council. Uh, I was appointed by Governor Rick Snyder and I've been reappointed by Governor Whitmer two times. Uh, I'm passionate about STEM growing up on a farm and getting an engineering degree. uh, Science is a passion, helping others uh, reach their full potential through STEM jobs, which is not just engineering and chemistry, but almost every skilled trade job that you can imagine. So uh, in fact, the state has about 27,000 openings a year in STEM and STEM uh, careers where we need to fill and put in a focus on STEM is one of the number one things that I think we could do to help uh, help students, help the state, help, uh, help uh, students get great careers. Um, through that STEM Council, what we know is that literacy is improved when literacy is combined with numeracy and science. So literacy plus numeracy plus creativity, makes the most robust uh, learning environment that you can have. And if we start doing more project-based learning and more play-based learning that's based on projects and experience, we can improve our literacy in this state. And it's one of the ways that we can focus improvements, which we haven't seen through our public schools uh, today. Uh, The last thing I'd like to mention is keeping our schools open. Uh, I have been hearing about that for three months on the campaign trail, that that we did a tragedy uh, to, our, uh, to our students by closing the schools and we must keep schools open no matter what.
2: Okay, Martin.
3: There's two things that I would focus on when it comes to education. The first is early education. We have to get the children on the right track early. If they get to middle school and they aren't on the right track, they're very, it's very unlikely that they're gonna be successful. I did research several years ago on factors that impact academic success, and the number one factor was parental involvement. I don't mean just parental involvement on the curriculum, I mean parental involvement with the children going to school, participating in school, parents involved in school boards, uh, parents' organizations. If the parents get involved, then the kids have a chance. In homes where the parents aren't involved and they don't instill in their children a love of learning, the kids are far less likely to succeed. The other area I would uh, focus on are uh, trade schools. I know many families who've had children who who have done great, gone on to college, been very successful, and children who have not. And they need direction, they need guidance. We need to emphasize trade schools in the high schools. We need to improve funding so children who wanna go to trade schools have just as good access to funding as children who go to college. Thank
2: you. Okay, Christian. You're the first for this next question. How would you balance concerns for your district versus those that affect the state on a wider basis?
4: I think most issues, thank you. <laughs> I think most issues uh, that we face uh, are, are similar. Uh, this new district, uh, the 35th district that now includes parts of Midland, parts of Bay and parts of Saginaw uh, has become a more, uh, a more suburban district. Uh, it's more business-oriented districts than the districts as they were before. Uh, we are we are one of the powerhouses in the state, but we have that diversity of farming, manufacturing, and uh, and 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 uh, play in the in the region. So uh, we are a reflection of the state in this new district. Um, ultimately, I'm I'm responsible to the 275,000 people in this district if elected and i l- will listen to them uh, i was coached by one of the current sitting uh, senators senator ken horn that uh, you need to always listen to the people they'll tell you what to, they expect from this district and you'll get feedback immediately on what uh, whether you've made the right decision or not uh, but you take that down and you take your experiences and you negotiate what's best for your district and the state and you move forward
2: okay barton
3: i've talked to a lot of voters about this and it's a concern for them that their state senators and state representatives represent their interests not a party's interest not special interest groups interests, not exclusively the state's interests. i feel very strongly that my role will be to represent and defend and protect the interests of people within the 35th district i think when the there have been Uh, Opportunities in the past that were lost to help people of our district Especially during the pandemic. We had uh, the governor had an approach that was statewide. It didn't need to be statewide This area is not Grand Rapids. This area is not Detroit things should be uh, Tailored to local issues and local government should have more say in the issues that we're dealing with Thank
1: You Cam well, there's always a lot to balance, but as somebody who's served in Lansing for almost four years The one thing I have found is that when you come home more than you stay in Lansing You know more what's important to your district than what's in Lansing and it you could you could stay in Lansing and kind of get caught up in The bubble of uh, of that and not remember what's really important to the district So it's important for me to make that drive absolutely as much as possible I actually like to be on doors in election years and non-election doors because Everybody up here is right. People will tell you exactly what they think on the doors. I don't go to the door and tell them what my priorities are unless they ask. First I want to ask them, what is it that you're worried about? What are you concerned about? How could I make your life better and how can I help? And my office can always tell when I'm on the doors because four or five times a day I'm sending them back like, hey, I need you to call somebody and look into this. Somebody's not getting their unemployment. Can we get taken care of that? And I will have to give a shout-out to my staff. They have been amazing. They have helped so many people. I think they could get elected if they were running for office. Over 800 solved unemployment cases. And these were people that were concerned that they were going to lose their house because they didn't have their unemployment. So the economy continues to be something we hear on the doors. But I can tell you, it is important to spend a little bit of time in Lansing. We've got to be there to vote, right? But we also set state policy that drives businesses out. And if we don't have the policy that encourages businesses to stay here, Then that policy does affect our locals in an absolutely terrible way So it is critical that we have a voice that we make those relationships in Lansing So that we protect and set statewide policy so that we have the best economy in the country and that we can grow I want everybody coming back to the state and I often say that Michiganders are about the heartiest people here because regardless of What's going on we fight for our state and we stick it out and? we're going to have an economy and a state that comes back like you've never seen thank you christian one minute reply um,
4: it's uh, it's very much true that you need to listen to the folks in the district uh, the the redistricting is not as exactly smooth as it could be right so midland for example is the city of midland and six townships there's 10 townships left out of that So you are always going to have a partner uh, that represents the other part of the county in all three counties. So you do have to work together to hear the total regional impact. And uh, I've been working regionally for over 30 years, working with the people across Across more than just these three counties, working across uh, eight county, working on statewide, and you learn how those things impact the state, and you bring that back uh, to your district and see what you can
3: accomplish for the people in the district. Martin. just to reiterate that I view my role as a state senator as defending, protecting the interests of the voters and the residents of that district. I want to do what's best for the state of Michigan, i but I want to do what's very best for the people of this district.
1: Okay, Annette. I agree with Martin. I think the district comes first. They're the ones that elected us, and they're the ones I work for. It's something that when I interview my staff, I want them to know that right now they have 90,000 bosses. Yes, I'm one of them, but every one of you is their boss as well. And so when you call up and you need help, they recognize that they work for you. And I would take that same demeanor, that same policy to the state Senate, that we will work for you. We will do everything we can to help you solve your problems. We'll continue to be out listening to what's most important to you, whether it's water infrastructure, broadband, whether it's education. But right now I can tell you what I hear more than anything is the economy. Please help us be able to pay our bills. And I will continue to support tax reform so that we can get you the ability to keep more of your own money. And uh, Help you afford to be able to pay your bills. Thank you.
2: Okay. We're now moving to closing statements We'll finish with one minute closing statements with for each of our candidates and we're going to begin with Martin
3: If Lansing career politicians had the answers we wouldn't be in this mess Each election. It's a new promise vote for them one more time and things will get better I have a simple question for you. How is that working out? If you believe that we're headed in the right direction we have two career politicians and a lobbyist in this race any one of them will do if you agree that we need to move in a new direction then vote for a soldier not another career politician I'm Martin Blank Republican candidate for the state Senate I ask for your vote on August 2nd
1: okay Annette Thank you, Kim, and thanks to the League of Women Voters for giving us this opportunity to share a little bit about ourselves. I am so thankful to John and Tina Lynch for chairing my Midland County um, chair for Midland. And I also wanna give a shout out to Amy Molinar, and Bob and Laura Molinar for endorsing and supporting me as well. I'm endorsed by Right to Life of Michigan and believe I'll be the strongest candidate to win this seat in November. I'm the only candidate that's endorsed endorsed by the Fraternal Order of Police, the National Rifle Association, the Association of Builders and Contractors, the Michigan Retailers, and the president happens to be right here in Midland, running an amazing business in downtown Midland, and the County Road Association for my support for getting funding for county roads and bridges. I wanna say thank you to the county treasurer, Kathy Lunsford for her support and for the county commissioners, Gay Twilliger, Jeanette Snyder, Eric Dorian, Jim Geisler and Steve Glaser for their support. I have been in the townships with them, listening to what they need at those levels and look forward to continuing to work for all of them and you, thank you. And Christian.
4: Thank you. I'm the grandson of immigrants. It's a great story. Two Germans, a Dutch and a Mexican. All of them came here for opportunity. It's the greatest thing in the world. I look at my life compared to their their lives and what we can accomplish when we have a growing economy, a safe place to live, and education for our children. They all worked hard, lived a great life, passed it on to their kids, and here I am. Uh, we want those same opportunities. In, in this new district, I'm hearing the same thing. People want opportunity. And what you need is a business person, a connected person a volunteer a family man someone who can get things done i have a proven track record of getting many things done of building big things of building coalitions of negotiating uh, large contracts and making things happen so i ask that you vote for me christian velasquez on august 2nd
2: okay that's it voters Republican primary candidates for the 35th District State Senate have given you a few of their views. We hope something said here tonight will help you in your voting decisions. In a few minutes, we'll hear from the Democrat primary candidates for the 95th District State House race. First, here is a proposal that would be on the August ballot.
5: Services to older citizens renewal millage proposal. For the purpose of continuing to provide services to older citizens in Midland County through the Council on Aging, shall the County of Midland renew the previously approved increase in the limitation of the total amount of general ad valerium taxes, which may be imposed for all purposes upon all taxable real and personal property in Midland County as authorized by Article 9, Section 6 of the Michigan Constitution of 1963, as amended for levy up to .9 mil of taxable valuation on such property as finally equalized during the years of 2022 through 2026, both inclusive, which if approved and levied in its entirety is estimated to raise $3,350,530 in the first year. The 2022 Road Millage Renewal Proposal For the purpose of continuing funding for Midland County Road Commission programs that construct, maintain, repair, and improve highway, road, street, and bridge systems within the County of Midland, including the cities of Midland and Coleman, and the Village of Sanford, Shall the County of Midland renew the previously approved increase in the limitation of total amount of general ad valerium taxes, which may be imposed for all purposes upon all taxable real and personal property in Midland County, as authorized by Article 9, Section 6 of the Michigan Constitution of 1963, as amended, which last resulted in a levy of one mill and continued to levy up to one mill. Of taxable valuation on such property as finally equalized during the years of 2023 through 2026, both inclusive, which if approved and levied in its entirety is estimated to raise $3,691,700
2: in the first year.
5: Spongy Moth, formerly Gypsy Moth Millage, Renewal and Increase Proposal For the purpose of continuing funding to monitor and control the spongy moth cause defoliation by aerial spraying of BT or other natural products, shall the previously approved increase in the limitation of the total amount of general ad valerium taxes, which may be imposed for all purposes upon all taxable real and personal property in Midland County, as authorized by Article 9, Section 6 of the Michigan Constitution of 1963, as amended, be renewed and increased for a levy up to 0.4 mil of taxable valuation as finally equalized for levy in the years of 2023 through 2026, both inclusive, which if approved and levied in its entirety is estimated to raise $1,488,680 in the first year.
2: Welcome to the second segment of tonight's forum, where you'll hear from the candidates for the Democrat primary race for the 95th House District. This district is also newly created in the recent state redistricting process. It encompasses all of Midland County, the city of Beaverton, and three townships in Gladwin County. The candidates are Matthew Dawson and Larry Grell. The speaker order will rotate as in the previous segment. Our timer will raise a warning card when the speaker has 30 seconds and then 15 seconds. When time is up, I will stop the speaker, allowing only the completion of the sentence. So let's begin with opening statements from the candidates. And Larry, you're the first drawer, so you have the privilege of making your opening statement first.
6: Okay, thank you. I want to thank the League of Women Voters for <clears throat> Bringing us to this. This is really nice that you've done this and you know, it gets the word out there uh, I'm Larry Grell uh, Born in Midland raised in Freeland uh, moved up to Gladwin County uh, in 84 uh, Retired Union Carpenter uh, went to Ferris in Delta College with a degree and uh Just a blue-collar worker, I've worked all my life, and I just think that there's things out there that need to be done, and I think we need a blue-collar worker out there to do it. Uh, We've got too much going on at uh, things, they're trying to to make everything uh, paper pushers in these schools these days, and I think we need some hands-on things for kids to do, because not everybody's gonna push paper. They've gotta work. In in all the things that they they are doing, uh, we need carpenters. We need people to build these roads, to build cities. Uh, all this stuff has got to be done by hand, and I just think that we need down earth people to do this. And uh, I just think I can get that point across. I've been uh, trustee in my union. I was a trustee at Billings Township where I live. I was supervisor at Billings Township. I brought the township back up to, from in the hole that it was, back to a nice township. And I think that uh, I can do that with the state of Michigan. I really respect the the people that are out there. I never knew about government until I retired and says, yeah, I'll be trustee. So then I found out what really goes on. And I think that uh, I can do a good job and uh, we're gonna give it a good try. Thank you.
2: Okay. Matt, the next two minutes are yours.
7: Thank you. And thank you, Kim, and thank you to the League of Women Voters for giving us the opportunity to speak tonight. A Little bit about me. I'm a lifelong Midland County resident. I've spent half of my life living in the city of Midland and the other half living in Samford. Uh, Attended Midland High, graduated from Saginaw Valley State University. I worked for four years as a business consultant with Deloitte. Uh, I'm a longtime student of politics and a believer in the working class. Um, I previously did have a run as an independent in 2020 for state house um, that was unfortunately ended by the pandemic uh, I'm under the belief that we're seeing a monumental attack on a lot of civil liberties these days Whether it's the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade um, the potential for attacks on rights for gay marriage and access to birth control And I think now more than ever, it's important that we are listening to and standing by and electing candidates and politicians who are dedicated to fighting and defending the rights of all Michiganders, not just the wealthy and not just the people of special interest groups. Thank you.
2: Thank you for that introductory information. Now let's begin hearing your answers to questions that the members of the Midland League believe will be of interest to voters. I'll let you know when it's your turn to answer each question. Also, I will repeat a question for anyone who asks. And, Matt, you're going to go first for two minutes on the first question. In light of the recent Supreme Court decision, what changes to the gun laws in our state would you support or oppose?
7: Uh, I think what's important to note is that we need to ensure that the laws that are already in place are being followed through on and are actually being completed. Uh, I believe recently there was a study that showed that the FBI had a startling number of background checks that they weren't able to get through because they did not have the infrastructure or support to get through them in time to stop a potential gun sale to somebody that would be struck down given one of these quote-unquote red flag laws. Um, So the first thing I would want to look at is ensuring and strengthening the laws that are already in place. And if we were going to expand them, I would like to focus more on prevention. Uh, by background checks, making sure that we're following through and making sure that we're closing things like gun show loopholes so that guns don't
6: end up in the wrong hands. Okay. Larry? Well, uh, long time hunter. Uh, I have guns. I think uh, guns is a part of this United States. Uh, I think we need to, to keep that there. I don't want to see them go away. I don't want that. But we need to do some. Now, I think uh, a couple things we need to do is this red flag law. Now, how many times in the last few shootings have they seen on Facebook or whatever TikTok or whatever it is that this person was about to go off the deep end, and they didn't do anything about it? Well, I think that's got to stop. I also think that uh, you know, if if we get this red flag. Law in effect Tape their guns if they're About to commit a crime or something. I don't see anything wrong with that I didn't say keep them forever, but make sure everything's all right. I also think the background check and They can get the gun too soon. I have a concealed weapons permit I can go to the store right now buy a gun and walk out the store with it, but that being said let, what's what's the problem with waiting three weeks? Have the background check make sure it's done right if I'm going to use a gun for for hunting I can wait three weeks for that gun and if I can't then there's something wrong I just I'd like to see more things done with what we have already like Matt said we've got some good laws on there let's just let's use them let's make sure they're done and let's protect our kids in the schools the kids especially I think there should be some things that's needs to be done in that but we'll talk about that at a later date. But uh, yes, our gun laws got to got to be re- reinforced. That's all there is to it. We've got to stop this shooting. Thank you.
2: Okay. And you're going to get the first crack at the second question. Okay. What is your position on the Michigan Healthy Climate Plan presented by the governor in April calling for economy-wide carbon neutrality by 2050
6: Well It's so easy to say that I mean Yeah, we want to be neutral. We want to do this and we want to do that But we also have to get these other countries on board if we do everything right for Everything that we've got and if the other countries don't do it. We're not gaining anything. We have to have the whole world at this juncture, and and get them, you know, t- to take care of things. I believe we can do it. I believe solar and uh, wind energy is upcoming. It's going to be a good thing. It's not quite there yet, but it's it's really moving forward. Uh, our coal-fired plants, I think, they are burning cleaner than they've ever burned, which is a bad deal for uh, from before, but. Should have been done a long time ago, but yeah, I think we can get get some of these uh, uh, energy crises taken care of. The thing we got to look out for too is people want electric cars. They're really pushing electric cars. Well, that battery's got to be charged someplace, and it's not going to be from another battery. So we've got to have infrastructure. We've got to get it up and running and make sure that we have the electricity that we need. And You know, I've seen a lot of as you travel around Michigan, you see a lot of places got uh, Wind farms now which is good and solar is also good But in the winter when we have cloudy days with no wind we've got to have some other backups nuclear energy That's a problem from the get-go because we have no place to get rid of our nuclear waste and that has to be something that's brought into light so yeah that's where we've got to go with that
2: okay matt
7: yeah so i believe first of all that we need to continue investments in alternative energy sources i think that 2050 seems like a far way away but it'll be here before we know it Um, i think it's important to make sure that we are trying to straddle the line which is a hard one to straddle of advancing our way towards reducing our carbon footprint without putting a deep deep pain onto our modern economy. Uh, one thing that I also wanna point out is that we here in Michigan you know, are in the middle of the Great Lakes. We're blessed to be in the middle of the Great Lakes and it makes up the largest freshwater system in the world. Um, we need to protect that. So if we're not dedicated to doing what we can to reduce our carbon footprint, recycle, invest in alternative energies, we're gonna run the risk of polluting that uh, and Time's going to come before too long that we're going to need to rely on that more than we already do um, So I think we need to continue our investments in alternative energy sources so that we can keep things as clean and unpolluted as popu- as Possible excuse me so that we can guarantee that we have a livable world for the future generations
2: Okay, Larry do you want to take advantage of the one-minute reply?
6: sure uh, Our energy You know, we've struggled with energy for a long time from gas to fuel oil to Yeah electricity everything and we've got to get Everybody on board for that. I Think and I know that we can be self-sufficient with gas and fuel if the people that are drilling for this oil in the United States Don't get so money hungry that they can't give us a break. The the gas companies have made a multi-million dollars profit in the last couple of years. There's something wrong with that when we're struggling to. to, I take my truck down, fill it with diesel fuel, and it costs me almost two hundred dollars. And that's, and that's just that's hard for people that don't have the income that to take care of that bill. So please let's we've got to get together and the Democrats and Republicans. I don't care. They've got to work together They can't just Go ahead. They've been going They've got to work together Thank you
2: male, do you want a one-minute reply?
6: Sure?
7: I believe that rising gas prices are a Massive problem among the working class and I know that because I am working class Um, I believe that we are seeing billions, record profits from oil companies that's being reported. And it's just a, a symptom and another sign of where I think we are as a society now, where it isn't upper, middle, lower class, but it's the wealthy class and the working class. And that is a key component of that divide, is corporations making billion-dollar profits while people living paycheck to paycheck have to decide if they're going to fill their grocery or fill their uh, refrigerator with groceries or put gas in their car um and that's something that i think needs to be addressed and something that ties directly into our infrastructure and our energy consumption
2: okay and you get the next crack at the third question what are your priorities regarding the two main areas around infrastructure The first is to upkeep of old systems, such as water, sewers, and roads. And the second area is the expansion of new infrastructure, such as broadband and cell phones.
7: One of the things that's most important to me is our education system, which might not seem like it's necessarily directly tied to that, but it feeds right into the aspect of broadband access, especially in our rural areas. Um, I believe that we do need to expand and support growing infrastructure in those areas so that if we ever run into a situation where children do have to use remote learning or in this day and age where we have a growing number of schoolwork and assignments that need to have internet access to complete or to do uh, fully, um, we need to make sure that we're getting that available for all of our citizens. So I definitely support that. On the um, topic of sewers and water supply, Um, We've seen firsthand what has happened in cities like Flint when things were left to become to a level of disrepair Uh, We ended up with water that was not safe for drinking And we ended up with people that got sick and people that lost their lives because of it and whose lives were forever changed Um, I think if we continue to avoid uh Investing in infrastructure in our sewer and water systems. We're going to end up with more problems like that um, Furthermore you can look it into our dams into our public works um, I think a big problem with that is partially privatization of those public works But on top of that we have areas that are being left in disrepair that we've been doing reviews on that We know are in disrepair that we're unable to do anything about because one reason or the other so um, I believe heavily investing in our infrastructure and furthermore making sure that that money is being spent responsibly and making sure that it's going where it is Supposed to go uh, and not into someone else's pocket through the means of you know shady deals with private companies
2: okay. Larry your two minutes,
6: okay uh, roads I Live in Gladon County and I go to gladden uh, County Road Commission meeting every other week We set they talk I know what the commissioner is thinking and I know what I bring forward from our township that needs to be done. And I think Gladwin County's got one of the best road systems there is. You can sure tell when you go from uh, Gladwin County into Bay County where the county line is. And Midland's got a good system too. I mean, Midland's had a lot of money dumped into it for for roads and stuff like that. And I do do think we've got, got to take care of our roads. If we don't, you know, they won't be there and I go back and forth to Arkansas because that's where my daughters live and we see some bad roads really bad roads and I think that's got to be taken care of and the sewer uh, Billings Township has a sewer around part of the lake right now that was put in about uh, I think it's 12 years ago something like that and that was a real struggle because nobody wanted it but when you got Liquid waste going into the lake running on top of the ground. Something's got to be done And at that time the state of Michigan said that all inland lakes will have a sewer system around it And I think that's a good idea because that's our waterway. That's our water table. I mean we drink water and If we're going to keep Lake Michigan and Lake Huron and all these nice lakes, beautiful lakes, Clean we've got to we got to keep going on it uh, broadband I'll touch on that just a little bit. I don't know. Seems like the last 10 years, I've heard about all this money that's going in the broadband, going in the broadband. Well, Midland's very fortunate; they've got a good broadband system here, pretty well. But there's still people without it. Well, where I live up north, I'll tell you what: there's just no broadband. Our Broadband is iffy day-to-day, our phone is iffy day-to-day, and I think we need to get that money back there and get it into our townships.
2: Okay, Matt, one minute.
6: Yes,
7: uh, thank you. Um, Something that was touched upon was our water table and protecting that, and that's something that I think is very important. Um, I think we have substandard to little uh, standards on our septic systems. And what that can lead to is failing septic systems around the state that are leading to liquid runoff going into our water system. So I think that that's something that's worth keeping an eye on and seeing if we can do something about that, especially in a a county like Midland County where we do have a large number of septic tanks. I grew up in Sanford, I had a house with a septic tank um, and I know how important it is to keep on top of those and making sure that it doesn't lead to a problem where things are getting into the ground and getting into the area around where you live. yeah, so I, I just support responsible spending and looking into our infrastructure in areas where we can improve, including roads.
2: Okay, one
6: minute. Uh, I'm very proud of Billings Township. We had one of the only uh, townships in Gladwin County that had the system that if you're going to buy a house, your tank is going to be inspected, made sure it's working order, and the well inspected. I think that needs to be done no matter where it's at. I think the state of Michigan should adopt that. I think everything should be done to protect our drinking water. And I've lived on a farm all my life. I know how valuable water is and how much trouble we had keeping water for our cattle. And now, since the the lates have gone away, uh, my daughter bought the house (laughs) year before the lates went away next door to us up there. We just had a well put in for her because when the lights went away, her well went away. And there's no help for that. But uh, we've got water now for her, so that's a good thing. And uh, now they can come up and visit and not worry about having to take a shower or not. So we gotta keep our drinking water and our water table clean. Thank you.
2: Okay. All right, you're first up on the next question. All right. What, in your opinion, Are the biggest challenges in our public schools, and what are possible solutions?
6: I think the biggest challenge is is getting good teachers and getting more teachers. Uh, My sister-in-law was a teacher in Freeland for thirty-some years. I think, and it's a shame that she had to take her money, part of her paycheck every year, to buy supplies for the kids. I think the Uh, Money that comes from our taxes for the schools. I think should stay in public school public schools are wonderful I had no problems with them. Uh, My daughters went through them. I think it's a good deal Uh, If you want to take your kid to a private school, there's nothing wrong with that. but do it on your dime Let's let's keep our money in the public schools. Keep our public kids the ones that can't afford to go to private schools Let's keep them educated because we need that our our teachers i think need more more money our teachers wages are are very low uh everybody says well you get three months off well it's not three months anymore it's down probably less than 2 and then when you got to take part of your money to buy supplies for the kids that's not right our teachers they need a hand and uh there's other things going on in the schools that should be taken care of too. And uh, we, gotta, we gotta make our kids feel safe when they're in school. I think that's important. They can't learn if they're not gonna feel safe. And if the teachers don't feel safe. So that's something we have to cover. And uh, I think we can do that. I don't think there's a problem with that. Uh, just common sense, we gotta do some common sense. And, I think we've got that here, if we can just get it to Lansing and make sure that it gets to the governor. Uh, But uh, teachers, we need good teachers and more of them. Thank you.
2: Matt, two minutes. Thank you.
7: So when I started going to college, I originally was going to become a teacher. It is something that I had dreamed of doing for a very long time. And when I started going to college for teaching and spent time in classrooms, I quickly discovered that there was a lot of issues in our education system. And I'm not just talking about teachers that are underpaid, although they are. We have teachers that, when I was in high school, I knew that I had teachers that were working second jobs in the afternoons and on the weekends. And being in the classrooms and speaking to teachers, I got to learn more teachers are still doing that. I have friends and family who have been teachers and are teachers who, again, having to look for second jobs they're paying for school supplies, they're being underpaid to begin with, and that leads to just a lot of burnout, you know, when, when you have to grade papers, develop lesson plans, be there to educate the children, speak with the parents and the administrators, both of which are trying to pull you in opposite directions. And then on top of that, you have to get a second job. It's no wonder why we're losing so many good teachers. It's no wonder why people don't want to get into the education system. It's why I changed my major and got out of it. Um, Those are things that still matter to me. I still have that passion and that desire for education and I got a great education here in Midland and I want other people to get those same opportunities. It's not enough just to pour money into our education. Uh, We need to ensure that enough funding goes to our schools but we need to be ensured that it's going properly. We also need to make sure that we're investing in affordable colleges for children when they graduate um, who wish to get into teaching and to bridge that gap while we're waiting We need to look into paraprofessionals in the classrooms that are properly trained to help our children keep up and help with low literacy rates. Uh, We also need to ensure that our rural schools are technologically up to standard and that we're providing things such as mobile hotspots while we're waiting for broadband systems to catch up. I believe that our education system has a lot of flaws, but I believe that these are things that can be fixed if we put the right people in power.
2: Okay, Larry, a one minute response.
6: Yes. Uh, one of the things too that I've noticed with my daughter, my youngest daughter, she's got five kids. Uh, Parents' involvement—you can't just send the kid to school and say it's a daycare for our kids. When they come home, I watched her raise these kids. They sit and read at night, 20 minutes every night. She takes make sure that they're they're involved they make sure that the parents are involved with with things that go on in the school, because that's where it's at. If our parents are involved, if they wanna take our kids and make them well-educated, it's not just the teacher, it's our parents. We've got to get our parents involved in the school. Uh, I go down to Atkins, Arkansas, and it's a little, just a little blink along the highway, and I tell you what those schools and those kids and those people there that's not a rich community they do get involved with their kids thank you
2: okay Ma'am?
6: thank you
7: i believe that parental involvement is important but i also think it's it's important to remember what people are going to school for, what people are studying, what people are spending their whole lives investing in, and is that is understanding education and the best ways that we can develop develop that and bring it to children. Um, While I do want us to have parental uh, feedback, I also want us to make sure that we're respecting and listening to our teachers. We're seeing a lot of attacks on teachers these days because people are imagining political parties that they belong to and imagining things that they're saying to children when it's simply not true. And then we have administrators that aren't backing up our teachers when they need help the most. It leaves them on an island and I can understand why they feel like they don't have the support that they need to do their jobs properly. So I would say that we need to make sure that we're empowering the teachers so that they feel safe and secure and that they feel that they can do the best job possible and not have to worry about things like school shooting drills and enforcing mask mandates. Okay,
2: you get the next question. What is your opinion of the level and type of aid currently supplied by the state to address poverty in your district?
7: I believe that it's a very loaded question. Um, I think that we are not doing enough to prevent the wage gap that is developing in our state and in our country. Um, I think what we're seeing is a lack of support for the working class. We're seeing wages not going up, not just with inflation, but not going up with their, you know, CEOs and their bosses' wage raises. Um, We're seeing across the board, and during COVID, I think they said an average of one new billionaire was minted every day. Then on top of that, we see the PPP loans, where they recently had a study that showed, I think, around 80% of the money that was earmarked did not go to what it was supposed to go to these are the things that are causing the wage gap these are the things that are causing the disparity and this is what's leaving the working class behind and it's what's causing things like generational poverty feeding into that is education if we're not making sure that our children are getting a good education and getting a chance to go to whether it's a trade school whether it is a college whatever they choose to do we need to make sure that we're giving them those opportunities you shouldn't be Cursed or blessed based on just where you live in the state of Michigan We should make sure that everyone gets the same opportunity And i'm very concerned with this with this disparity and it seems that people are getting too caught up in national talking points and Litter boxes and school bathrooms rather than focusing on the things that are actually happening and the gap that is widening day by day by day Um, So if we want to actually address poverty, it's not so much just pouring money on it It's actually finding those areas finding the cause of that disease not just treating the symptoms but treating the cause to get to the root of it and actually fix our system for the next generation
2: okay
6: Larry yes, poverty uh, one of the things I'm very passionate about is poverty I've been uh, very interim in our township we have... Uh, Council on Aging, which delivers meals. Uh, I've done a lot of work with that. We've got it in our hall. We have a, a day center that comes, they come in at noon. I go almost every day just to talk to the guys and stuff that's there. Uh, when you got 80, 90-year-old people in there, they gotta get out of their house and have somebody to talk to. And that's what this is good for. And we, do, we go anywhere from eight the 16 people a day in our township hall. We d- deliver between 40 and 50 meals a day from our township hall. And That's just our township, just one little township. And I think that's very important. Another thing that I'm passionate about is our vets. There's no reason in the world that when our vet comes home, he's gotta live on the street. There's something wrong with that. We've gotta get this straightened out. They, they're making us freedom, keeping our freedom. Why can't we take care of them and give them some freedom and a roof over their head? That's gotta be done. You know, uh, Our vets, I feel so sorry for them when they, there's so many of them committing suicide just for that reason. That they don't have uh, a place to live. And, it's, you know, and they come home with, with uh, problems. I've got a neighbor I graduated with, he was in the Vietnam War. Fourth of July day and a couple days before that when it gets dark he goes home Puts his earplugs in and turns this music up because he can't stand the, the booming and the, the fireworks and stuff Because it just it reminds him too much of where he was and what he had to do so Just let's get take care of our seniors and our vets One minute, thank you
7: More on poverty. We need to pay higher wages. We need to raise the minimum wage. At this point, $15 an hour is going to be behind the time by the time we finally reach it. Provide payroll tax benefits for small businesses that can prove and show that they are offering a fair wage. Furthermore, somebody once said, if we can't afford to take care of our veterans when they come back, then we can't afford to go to war because we're saddling them with problems that they come home with and are forced to deal with. And we aren't giving them the proper tools and we aren't supporting them in the way that we should. And that's putting a strain on our poverty we need to reduce our pension tax on the senior citizens of our communities. Uh, what we're seeing is this record inflation and they're stuck with, with a lot of the same rates that they had before and we're still taxing it like crazy. We need to look at that too. These are things that are affecting the working class and you know you hear a lot of politicians talk about wanting to offer tax cuts and tax relief and you know, want the governor to sign our tax relief bill. What they're failing to mention is that a lot of those tax relief and benefits are gonna go to corporations and wealthy people and not the average citizen.
2: Okay, Larry.
6: Well, we do need to to clean up our tax bills. We money goes just all over and I don't know how many people I've talked to that say, "Well, we're some late, you know, there's all them fancy homes around that and you get all that tax money in your township, you should have no problem at all." They don't understand that that money that comes in for taxes, goes to Gladwin County. And our little township gets around $68,000 a year to run our township on. That's not much. And it's a lot less than what they think. We've got to do, we got to clean up the corruption in our government. We've got to get this people on board with whatever we need, we can get it if the money goes there to get it. It's got to be taken care of, and I think we can do that.
2: Okay. Well, you get the last question first. Would you balance concerns for your district versus those that affect the state on a wider basis? Can you say that
6: one more time again, please? Would you repeat it one more time? Yeah.
2: How would you balance concerns of your district versus those that affect the state on a wider basis?
6: Well, that's kind of a loaded question. Uh, First of all, we've got to fix our our district right here. I I can't talk about other districts because I don't know that much about them. And I just, I I think all I can do is be honest to the people, uh, take their complaints and their concerns back to Lansing, see what we can do with them. I'm not gonna promise you that I can Lower the gas price to a dollar a gallon or do away with your taxes like some of the advertisements on television People don't think about that and they want to you know lower the gas price by taking away the, the taxes on gas our county to drive them trucks on the road degrade our roads to plow um, Take care of the snow plow. That's where that money comes from for the fuel our little county in Gladwin has. Doubled in the last two months it went from 27 to fifty four thousand dollars a month for fuel We've we just got to take care of things and things has got to be Clear we got to be Transparent and and if people want to know where that money went let's show them let's tell them You know, maybe it takes taking some of these people to Lansing and show them what's going on down there I've been to Lansing, I've been to DC through the township, and I think uh, people don't understand what's going on in government, you know? And they they think all the the rich people, all the, the, they get all this money, and it doesn't go to them, and it's gotta go to them. That's the people that need it, our lower income people. It's like me, I'm on a fixed income there's no raises involved so uh, let's be transparent and show the show the people what we've got and where it goes
2: okay matt
6: thank you
7: something that i think gets lost a lot in our modern political landscape is the word representative the people that are elected to these seats who are lucky enough to be elected to stand for their community are being elected to be representatives for their community so Honestly, my first instinct is to do right by the people of this community, the people of this district. And I think if we can do right by the people of this district, that we will in turn do right by the people of the state of Michigan. I think that we need to, what's the old phrase, is think think global, act local. We need to start at the local level. We need to start by building a foundation of trust and respect in modern politics that is sorely needed and we need to build that up so that it can reach the national level, it can reach the state level, but it has to start locally. Um, and that is something that I think is, is a big deal. I mean, we're seeing elections bought and sold by big money PACs. We see organizations funneling hundreds of thousands of dollars into state level elections. Why are they doing that? It's not so that they can take care of the community. It's so that they can make sure that their interests are being supported and protected. So we end up with representatives who are beholden to them, not to the actual people that they are serving. I mean, we're already seeing digital billboards up for state representative. What is that about? That's completely unnecessary, and it's a complete waste of money. And it just goes to show you the kind of money that we're seeing get funneled into these elections. In the last cycle, we saw, I think, upwards of a million dollars funneled into local negative ads. And then those people just pack up and leave, focus on the next election. But that toxicity, that affects people's lives in this area. And we're not doing anything about that. I think what we need to do is be focused more not on political parties, but focus on the candidates themselves and making sure that we are electing people who are dedicated to fighting for our communities and establishing a level of respect that
6: we are missing.
2: Okay, your one-minute reply Larry.
6: Yeah, when we talk about that, uh, there's candidates out there that, hey, I, I don't have any funding. Whatever I got is my money. I bought some signs, I bought some cards, I bought some uh, door hangers. I can't put a digital sign up someplace. I can't put an ad on the radio or on the television. But what I can bring to the people is honesty and trustworthiness. When I go to go to Lansing, I want them to know that I'm going to do their job and make sure that everything that they want done will get done as best we can do it. Not saying it's going to happen, but we're going to try our darnest. And uh, it's 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 a shame that. The people that's going to get elected are the people with money and that's wrong this should be on the basis of what they do for the state thank you
2: okay we're now at closing statements and matt you're going to go first thank you one minute
7: Uh, again another thank you to kim and the league of women voters and a thank you to mr grell for being here tonight as well Um, I think this is a prime example of what is great about our democracy and our government is the idea that we can get together and we can talk these issues out and we can try to find common ground. I sat and listened to the 35th uh, earlier tonight and a lot of the things they were saying were things that do resonate with everyday working class Americans. Now, maybe we disagree on some level of how we get there, and maybe some of what they're saying is lip service, but I believe that those issues are real, and I believe those issues matter to working class folks. I just want the opportunity to fight for you. I am working class. I am living paycheck to paycheck. I am wondering what I'm gonna do next. How am I gonna pay my mortgage? How am I gonna pay my bills? How am I gonna put gas in my car so I can get to work? These are the things that I'm worrying about and focusing and fighting on a daily basis, which a lot of other politicians are not. I'm proud to say that I'm working class. I'm from a working class family. I'm rooted in the working class. And I hope, I hope that you give me the opportunity to fight for you and to represent you on August 2nd in the Democratic primary. Thank you.
6: Larry? Yes. Um, I'm passionate about a couple other things too. And one of them is our Lates. And I want to stand for the people that live around these Lates because I stood there. 28 28 inches of water at my house uh, That kind of ruined everything in my pole barn my garage and everything I mean, it's just devastating I Live actually before the dam so I didn't have the mud and everything that people below the dam had I didn't lose my house but it's devastating and working-class on my Union Carpenter, I've worked all over the state. My parents were uh, Union, they worked in a plant in Bay City called Prestolite. Uh, I know what values they had and what values they gave me. And that's what I can take to Lansing, is the the values that my parents gave me to do the right and do honesty. Gotta gotta be honest. And uh, I'm a working class, I've earned all my money, Working and I just think that uh, That's where we got to start Thank you.
2: Okay Well, that's it voters You've heard from the Democratic primary candidates for the 95th state house district We hope something said here tonight will help you make your decisions when you go to vote on August 2nd you're now going to um, See some information on the county proposals and when that is finished We'll come back for the wrap-up that i'll be giving in final remarks
5: midland county educational service agency bonding proposal shall midland county educational service agency the state of michigan borrow the sum of not to exceed 17 million seventy thousand dollars and issue its general obligation unlimited tax bonds therefore in one or more series for the purpose of erecting furnishing and equipping in addition to, and remodeling, improving, furnishing and refurnishing and equipping and reequipping the Sugnet building, purchasing and installing information technology systems together with equipment and software at the Sugnet building, preparing, developing, equipping and improving driveways, parking areas and the site at the Sugnet building and replacing the roof at the Longview Early Childhood and Family Center. Midland County School Resource Officer Millage Renewal Proposal. For the purpose of continuing the placement of licensed law enforcement officers from the Midland County Sheriff's Office and Midland Police Department as school resource officers to the public schools in Midland County who will provide school security, law enforcement, and facilitate educational liaison between students, school staff, law enforcement officers, and the community. Shall the County of Midland renew the previously approved increase in the limitation of total amount of general ad valerium taxes which may be imposed for all purposes upon all taxable real and personal property in Midland County? As authorized by Article 9, Section 6 of the Michigan Constitution of 1963, as amended, be renewed for levy up to 0.4 mil of taxable valuation of such property as finally equalized during the years of 2022-2026. Both inclusive, which if approved and levied in its entirety, is estimated to raise $1,488,680
2: in the first year. Midland County Emergency
5: Medical Services, Millage Renewal Proposal. For the purpose of continuing to provide funding for emergency medical services and transportation, shall the county of Midland renew the previously approved increase in the limitation of total amount of general ad valorem taxes, which may be imposed for all purposes upon all taxable real and personal property in Midland County as authorized by Article 9, Section 6 of the Michigan Constitution of 1963, as amended for levy up to .65 mil of taxable valuation on such property, as finally equalized during the years of 2023 through 2026. Both inclusive, which if approved and levied in its entirety, is estimated to raise $2,421,605 in the first year.
2: I would like to thank the candidates for participating in this forum. Even more important, a sincere thank you goes to the candidates for your willingness to serve as elected officials in these challenging times of governing. And to our listeners and viewers, thank you for your time and interest in watching this forum. Members of the League of Women Voters of the Midland area sincerely hope that what you've seen and heard on this program tonight will help you with your voting decisions. We believe it is vital that citizens demonstrate informed and active participation in our government. So please, please be sure to vote. For more information on candidates, go to the vote411.org website and it's an online voter guide published by the League of Women Voters. Polls will be open on election day, Tuesday, August 2nd from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. If you are voting in person, be sure to know the location of your designated voting place and have your necessary ID with you. Absentee ballots are available for all registered voters in Michigan. You can submit an application at clerk's offices in the city and throughout Midland County. They must be returned to your clerk's office before the close of the polls on Tuesday, August 2nd at 8 p.m. If you return your ballot by mail, use two stamps and mail it as early as possible. If you use a designated drop box for ballot returns outside of the clerk's office, be sure it's your clerk. If you have questions on absentee voting or any other aspect of the election process, please contact the appropriate clerk's office or go to michigan.gov vote. Finally, I extend a very special thank you to the people who made this program possible. To the staff of the MCTV Network, manager Matt Richardson, production director Matt Thomas, multimedia production specialist Chris Ferguson, and production assistants Jim Malick and Chris Lonis. Thank you also to the contributors from the League of Women Voters of the Midland area, Sue McAllister, Tracy Brown, Judy Judy McDowell, Sandra Houghton, Mary Yeomanins. And Kathy Mitchell. Thank you.